Hello and welcome back, boils and ghouls, and welcome to another episode of Crypt Speakers or Tales from the Crypt podcast. This is your co-host Arnold Schwarzenegger here, and joining me is... Ceci Correa. Hi, Ceci. Do you like spooky movies? I do, Arnold. I, 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 I find them very spooky and I get very scared, and I can't watch them very much. I don't, I, I don't know where my accent is rolling into <laughs> at this point. Hi guys, just kidding. It's me, Jay. (laughs) Arnold's not really here. What a gift that would be, huh? He's not. I know it was a uncanny impression I did. It was. Uh, But but it's just me, Jay Tyler. Hey, what's up, Sassy? How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. So um, we are here at the thing that I was so stoked about in our very first episode, um, and that is the. The directorial debut of one Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if you're familiar with the man's work. You know, I'm not. JK, of yeah. course I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, last year, last, oh, year, last week, it feels like a year. Last week, we were talking about uh, Demi Moore as being one of the biggest stars of the 90s. Um, and I think, arguably, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like maybe top 10 biggest movie stars period like just Ever. Like, yeah yeah like just a guy who is like inescapable so it's kind of interesting um this is his directorial debut he only directs one other movie which is a uh, made for tv uh um christmas movie called christmas in connecticut and that's it which is interesting to me because schwarzenegger is a guy who always had a lot of control of his public perception and public image Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he never like did an Eastwood and I was like, oh, I'll try, you know, I'll try directing like he ne- like clearly he tried it a couple times. Maybe he just didn't take to it. He didn't like the pressures that came with it and just never did it again. Just two once in 1990, once in 1992. And I said, oh, that's not for me. Yeah. I wonder if it was more of a personal thing, because honestly, one of the things that I was going to say about this episode is that. I thought he did a really great job directing for someone who's like, this is the first time ever directing. Honestly, not even for a first time director. He just did a good job, period. Like, I'm not even going to qualify that. It's, it's a, it's a, um, perfectly like well done thing. Like he has, um, we'll get into it, but this episode has like a trick that it's doing and he definitely like finds different ways to do that. Yes. Fun. Yeah. Like, you know, in, yeah. in sort of creative ways. So, um, so this is 1990 Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, we are sort of right before. So this this same year that this episode comes out, he also is going to be doing, um, Total Recall comes out this year and Kindergarten Cop. So I feel like we are really at a apex of. Mm-hmm. Schwartz yeah. like 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 his it's funny because we'll talk about the opening of this episode but like his public persona is solidified you know he's made predator he's made raw deal he's made twins maybe that's not in the same category as these other things i'm mentioning but like he's established like i am a serious action star and mm-hmm. I, unlike anything that you've ever seen before and now he's starting to play with it a little bit more. Even so, this is a year before T two comes out. Even in T two, he's kind of playing with that perception of who yeah. he is. Like he's playing against type slightly in that movie. Um, I would say Twins. My parents loved that movie. Like they just yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing. So it's, it, 
<laughs> I grew up kind of watching a lot of all those all those movies. I think I saw Twins several times mm-hmm. and uh what's the other one where he's uh uh are you be thinking of to... Junior? Yes, Would Junior. Would you roll when he gets pregnant? There's that movie. Yes. He's married. Hmm, there's a movie where he's married. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, are you thinking of true? Are you thinking of True Lies? That one too. Where, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we could just name Arnold Schwarzenegger movies for the rest of the night. Um, but you know, he's. I get the impression, and we'll get again. I know we're talking around it, but we have to talk about the intro of this episode at some point. I get the impression that Arnold Schwarzenegger, at this point in his career, is really communicating to the world, "Hey, guys, I'm actually a big goofball." Yeah. And I'm not I'm not too big of a star to take myself too seriously. Um, this is I mean, you know, Franz and Hans on Saturday Night Live is already a thing, um, which gets referenced in this episode. So mm-hmm. like at this point, Schwarzenegger's kind of in on the joke. Like he gets that he is ridiculous. Um and is is like, yeah, I, I'm also amused by how big I am, both physically and socially so now that we're going down the memory lane of arnold schwarzenegger do you remember back in the early days of the internet where um i guess people would do prank calls and record them and put them up and they would do spot-on impressions like mine earlier in this well not even the spot-on impressions, but it was like it was a a soundboard yes it was a soundboard and it would always be something like um clips from kindergarten cops saying like i am mr kimball or something like that mm-hmm. right and then yeah they would just play all these clips and like yeah go in circuits and like yeah just prank call folks yes yeah oh yeah that's great arnold schwarzenegger content and, well no, not I think... only that but if you think about it you can't really do prank calls anymore because like i certainly don't answer my phone i don't know who does right yeah i only answer my phone if it's like my wife my my mother like, if I have your number in my phone and I recognize it when you call me, I'll pick it up. But other than that, you can go to voicemail if it's Same. something important. Yeah, exactly. If it's well, if it's a, if it's something important, you can leave a message I won't listen to. And also, so. yeah. Well, and then also most people know, like, most people will, like, text you, I feel. Sure. If it's nowadays. Or like, like, they'll text like, hey, can you call me? Like, which is yeah. kind of like, okay. Yeah. You, you so just, it's like. It's very nostalgic to me to think about, like, those early days of the internet where people would do prank calls uh, using this, like, Arnold uh, soundboard. Yeah. Because not only do we not really do that anymore, but, um, yeah, you just can't do those prank calls. Although, I guess we have moved on to bigger and better memes. Right. Yeah. No, we, you know, there are the, now the internet's a great place, um, not filled with mean prank callers. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah no i think i i think there's such a weird like arnold schwarzenegger is such a weird cultural touchstone that kind of pops up all over the place but yeah like yeah thinking about and bygone eras of the internet one other another thing that i'm gonna i'm gonna say about arnold that i appreciate about him that i didn't really understand until recently uh he's another uh shout out to my spouse who kind of got me into following uh this one guy uh called martins uh who is uh i guess last year he was the world's strongest man 
Uh, mm. And I got so into his journey of him trying to be the world's strongest man that we even watched the Arnold, um, which takes place, I think, every year in uh, Santa Monica on the mm-hmm. on the boulevard. Uh, and he still goes, obviously, because it's his namesake. But, sure. you know, he still goes there every year and he knows a lot of these guys that compete in yeah. his contest he doesn't have to do that no but he does um, well he just i mean we'll get into it in this episode but i i think he just loves all that he, he just he just passionately loves that world yes of like world strongest man bodybuilder like all that stuff is just so his jam that yeah he's just gonna he, he's just gonna nerd out on that and yeah so when he like shows up he's like hey guys you know i'm, I'm here it's me yeah and he doesn't and it's not just him showing up he like interacts with the contestants he like he knows Mm -hmm. a lot of those a lot of those guys sure like on a first name basis and i really i mean he's one of the biggest stars in the world as we've already kind of established like not just from the 90s but like i would say you know ever uh and the fact that he seems so accessible to all those folks it just Mm. says to me really great things yeah for sure um well, we again, we can talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yes, but this I, is but not I, the Arnold I, Schwarzenegger podcast. Yeah, I'm sure there's one of those already as well. Um, but I, I want to talk real quick about the um, writers on this episode. Yeah. Um, only because, so there's there's one guy, Michael Tov, you know, truly anonymous. I looked through his writing credits. I was like, I don't know any of these. He did a couple, he did a direct movie called, that's both known as The Paint Job and Painted Hearts. Don't know anything about that. Um, the other writer on this movie is really interesting. It's one of Hollywood's weirdest dead ends. It's this guy named Richard Tuggle. So he writes uh, a little movie called Escape from Alcatraz, which is like a huge, like Clint Eastwood was already a, a star when that movie came out. He had already yeah. made a Dirty Dirty Harry. But like that movie was just a huge hit and it was like a huge prestige hit for him. And so then he teams up with Eastwood again to write and direct this movie, Tightrope, which is like a Dirty Harry movie, except for it's not Dirty... Like, it's it's a Dirty Harry-style movie starring Clint Eastwood, but he's not playing Dirty Harry. It's very strange. Um, and the sort of smoke on the street is that Eastwood kind of took over that film and secretly directed it himself. Hmm. Um, and then later, um, Tuggle makes one more movie, Out of Bounds, which is like an Anthony Michael Hall crime thriller. And then goes... that That's 86 goes away, writes this script with this guy, Michael Tov. Again, never heard of him any other context. And then just disappeared. Like, he hasn't done anything yet. I double-checked. He never died. Like, he's still alive. He just had this one big hit that he wrote, tried his hand at directing a couple movies that were, you know, like, kind of flops. But people have survived worse. Like, it's not like... Like, it's not like he couldn't have survive yeah. that so i don't I, I don't know why that um yeah I don't it know. really makes you think also i mean not to speculate but like um it kind of reminds me of people like brendan fraser who like who's he's the second time that he comes up in the podcast but people mm-hmm. like him who somehow get blacklisted um right then, yeah maybe he said the wrong thing to wrong person yeah, yeah. you just don't know yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. 
So yeah, what what whatever happened with that guy? He he just kind of falls to the earth. Like occasionally, like if they have a screening for Escape from Alcatraz, he'll show up to talk at that. But that's about it as far as like what I can find out what he's been up to, uh, recently. Interesting. Uh, so well, it was uh, a good yeah. episode. So kudos to him. Yeah. Do you uh do you have any other did you see anything or anybody in this episode that you really wanted to yes, pull out? Yes, actually I okay. did. Um I knew it. Who are you going to say? No, you you go ahead. I I I <laughs> Yeah. I just so, know you do you you do your homework on episodes when I'm supposed to be doing the homework. No, so. it's fine. Well, um I recognized the butler, but obviously I didn't know his name, but his face uh-huh. looked very familiar. He's got a great name, Ian Abercrombie. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he was Mr. Pitt on Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, yes, Elaine's I did. Actually, boss. I did. Yeah. I did. I did think like when I, I was looking him up, too, because I, I just saw his name in the credits. I was like, Ian Abercrombie. That I, that sounds familiar. And then, like, he unfortunately died in 2012. But, uh, like, depending on where his obituary was written, it's uh, but he was often cited as, like, Seinfeld's, you know, actor, Ian Abercrombie. I was like, ah, I'm sure Seinfeld's going to get another mention here yes um yeah i mean he seemed to be a very prolific character actor Mm -hmm. but yeah that's where i I, when i was looking through trying to figure out where i knew him from i was like oh yes it's from being on seinfeld got it uh and then the other person uh roy brocksmith uh who Mm -hmm. apparently was also in the man who was death but i don't remember him at all i just saw that oh, the name popped up yeah i saw that um his name pops up again uh when when you're just looking up uh tales from the crypt and his name uh, yeah. and that's when i realized that uh he was in man who was death i don't really remember who he is i think you know he must have been just like background player hmm it says here his character's name was vic is that the racist bartender maybe yeah he might have been the racist bartender who uses the term guido which you got to learn that sweet uh that slur on that episode yeah i'm learning so, so. much i learned yep. what bvd was last week B- bvds <laughs> guidos uh there's another oh, thing that actually, i learned quick... in this episode that i'll i'll get to whenever we cross that okay. bridge i do have a quick correction um last episode i said something about an automat being a place where you would get food in a microwave that's partially true. Automats were restaurants that you would get your food out of vending machines. That's what defines what an mm-hmm. automat is. So you don't have a waiter. You just get your food out of a vending machine. So I think in that episode, the last episode, that's what she was doing when she was getting her uh, stuff out of the vending machine. So anyway. Uh, I think those sound yes. great. I would love to go to a place like that where like they have these like, um, I mean, they look like huge sort of like things in the background and then you just open this little like this little um door and there's like right food I mean, there and you just pick it up and eat it it's certainly covid friendly for sure <laughs> yeah um, yeah i would totally be down for that uh so yeah um uh shall we get into it yeah into the switch arnold schwarzenegger's the switch um so um we open in the uh crypt as we often do um and the crypt keepers doing a workout my favorite touch in this entire episode is the crypt speaker so he's like doing curls with 
a weight that's actually a femur with two skulls on either end of it. Um, but not only is he doing like these curls, he's wearing a sweatband or a, like, a, like a headband, which is hilarious to me because skeletons don't sweat, sussies. That's just <laughs> science. What? <laughs> so he's working out and like just pumping bones. And he's trying to like get out his intro. And who walks in but one Arnold Schwarzenegger to tell him to shut up and do his workout? Also, he wanna... he's wearing a really cool shirt that I would 100% buy. It's the, he's like wearing a Tales from the Crypt episode. Yeah. Or Tales from the Crypt, like, t-shirt, isn't he? Yes. Yes. And honestly, like, if they sold that t-shirt at the time, you know, gotta do that merch. I would buy that merch. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's a great looking shirt. And, it's, and, and that's sort of one of those things I was saying that's like a nice wink and nod of like, hey, I'm in on the joke. Like, I'm here on Tales from the Crypt. I'm wearing the shirt for the show that I'm on. Like, it's a uh, real nice look. Yeah. For, uh, Arnold. Um, so he comes in and he kind of tells the crypt keeper to keep doing his work because uh, he wants to get rid of, he doesn't want to have that 90 pound body for the rest of his death. So he's like even leaning into the like reversal pun yes. uh, work that he does. Um, and then he is actually the one who introduces our story, the switch. Um, so uh, Arnold must have gotten the style handbook because we get one of the patented uh, Tales from the Crypt long establishing shot montages Ah, to sort of introduce us to a new space. We're exploring this massive mansion. Um, And then we settle on an old man played by William Hickey. Um, One thing that I do want to point out though, before we actually get to the episode is that uh, on, so on a lot of these cold opens, they open the book, the the tales from the crypt and they open the book and they show you, Like, the comic cover that this episode is kind of based on. The custom art. Yes, and one of the things that that I noticed about the custom art for this episode is that it honestly... uh, So it's called The Switch. Uh, Mm. So there's there's two men involved who are seemingly going to switch things. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll learn about that. But uh, the the people who pictured, uh, to me, at a glance, looked like... It looked like Vince McMahon was going to switch bodies with John Cena. Sure, yeah. No, that's very much... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a picture of, like, Vince McMahon before he got all weirdly jacked. Yes. Like, imagining, like, what his perfect self would be. Yes, that's uh, exactly yeah. what that looks like. Great, great pull. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so a great little bit of art. Uh, and then we're going through this uh, mansion, and we finally rest on this old man um, who we eventually learn... Uh, his name is uh, Carlton Webster. He's played by William Hickey. We didn't talk about him in the intro, but he's got this great skeletal face and an even more like sort of death rattle voice. He's actually the voice of the scientist in uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so he's just got this great like wavering sort of like sickly voice, um, which he uses to great effect in this episode. Um, and he's just sitting in this big armchair and he's looking at a picture of Kelly Preston uh, and his butler comes in and I wanted to, I wanted to dig into this a bit. I feel like in films, especially films from the like eighties and nineties, the sign that you have absolute opulence is you have a butler. Like butlers seem to be sort of the de facto symbol of wealth in a lot of things. And I I'm curious at any given time how many butlers are actually employed in the United States because it feels like it would be a weird job to have. 
Did you look uh, up how many butlers there are in the U.S.? No, I, I, I'm curious. I, I, yeah, let me see. How many butlers are in the United so, States? I can tell you, though, that it is still very much still a cultural touchstone because if you were to follow one All Elite Wrestler Dynamite show every Wednesday, you would know that mm-hmm. Chuck Taylor had to be a butler for Miro, formerly known as Rusev. Well, that's, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> The, the the long storied history of professional wrestling butlers is a whole other topic that we can't we can't we can't get into we that tonight. Can't get into that. But I just I think at the very least it's yeah. still very much a, a, a trope. Yeah. I can't find an, an answer for how many butlers there are, but there I you know, I found interesting facts uh from the International Butler Academy. So maybe I'll dig into this. Remember can... when um P. Diddy Still, uh, he had a butler, and his name was yeah. like what's what's worth? No, yeah. <laughs> um, he did. Now I'm, now I'm googling. P- he had a really butler. cool name too, and he was Fonsworth a, Bentley. Yes, and he was so stylish. Like that's what I think of when I think of yeah. like a modern day butler. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I feel like there's something about butlering that that feels both. That just feels very old. Like it feels like it, it is a thing from a bygone era. So yes. like if you're doing it, you got to do it with that sense of modern retroism, uh, which might be a compl- uh, like oxymoron, but it makes sense in my head. Um, Back in the day, they called them valets, not valets. I learned that from Downton Abbey. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, uh, so. Anyway, this butler walks in, and this is this is Ian Abercrombie in this episode. Uh, is Fulton the butler, and this old man, Carlton, is sitting in his chair, and he's like, "I'm in love. Oh, I'm so wonderful. She's cultured, sophisticated, and best of all, young." And immediately, Fulton's like, "But you are a withery old leather man. Like, why would this young woman be interested in you? It's got to be for your money." To which Carlton says, oh, but she doesn't know about my money. Like, which begs the question, there's some real Marty McFly, Doc Brown business going on in this episode of... How do they why, meet? How do they meet? Why are they hanging out? Are they dating? Like, what's going on? Like, what is the relationship between these two people? Because, <laughs> like, we'll, we'll get into it, but, like, he, he clearly, like, has romantic inclinations towards her. And when he like tries to pursue those, every time she's like, "No, no, you're my, you're older than my grandfather. How could I possibly be with so, you?" So yes, how do they know each other? Where did they meet? And then also, he has a picture of her. And this is one thing that I know it's a it's a nitpick, but I hate it in TV shows and in movies where people have photos just like just there. Like who has who has the time to give someone a photo and then like, I don't know about you, but whenever I get a piece of art or a photo or anything, it'll take me at least like two years before I go to Michael's oh. and buy a frame for it. So who are these people who are just, just have all this time in the world to go and get frames for their photos and stuff? Ceci, I have a print that I bought from before I met my wife that we have now moved into the three different places <laughs> we have lived together. That I've never gotten a frame for. So yeah, you 100% uh, have my support there. Yes. Uh, 
people who have butlers, I guess. I guess that's what you need a butler for is to put yeah, your pictures in frames. that's what I've been doing wrong. Yeah, I need to get a butler. Um, so he, so Carlton says, you know, she doesn't know I'm rich and, uh, I love her and I'm going to ask her to marry me, which begs the question, no men on Tales from the Crypt have any chill when it comes to like pacing of relationships. It's like, she clearly like, again, I don't know what your relationship is, but when he like proposes to her, she's clearly like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) Why would I marry you? Um, but he's. I think and, and this pro- is one thing that at least the the last two episodes that we've seen really touch on, which is like sometimes as a woman you can't. It's hard to say no. It's hard to turn people down, um, mm-hmm. and you get into these situations where you just don't know how to get out of. Well, and you have these, and and I think there there is a direct tie between these two episodes that they are both about men going to extreme ends due to passion for women. Yeah. Uh, like that, that's sort of like the core of both of these stories. Um, and to and, clarify, and, like, I don't think that any of the, of the women uh, who we've talked about in the last two episodes who have found themselves in those scenarios, like they're not, I think, again, they kind of get into a, situation where it's hard to kind of extricate yourself from and i think that's what's happening mm-hmm. here with her is that you know she thinks he's a he's a nice man and you know he's nice to her and she probably she very clearly is not asking him for money or anything um she's right you know just taking she, she he just brings her flowers and he's yeah. like thank you for the flowers and i i can see how maybe you're like oh well you know maybe I talked to this old man just because, you know, he's a he's a nice fella and we're not right. hurting anybody by just talking and being friends. Right. Yeah. But no, I think sometimes people think that that's more than it is. I think the fact that this episode doesn't get into how, how they know each other. Uh, like it's one of those things where it's like it's for me it goes beyond a nitpick because i feel like that's necessary information for me to understand this relationship at all and yeah why she like is hanging out with him because she is very sweet to him like like, you know she like it's only when like romance comes out that she's like look at your like old old body like but she's not like the people in only send deep where like the moment that she sees an old person she shudders in horror like she's nice to him. She she tells him he's sweet. He is generally being sweet to her, if a yeah. little like forceful. But like, uh, anyway. Uh, so Carlton goes. He's kind of dressed down, and by dressed down, I mean he's wearing a sweater with a shirt with like a a shirt on. His butler's like, "Do you want to dress up a little bit nicer than that?" He's like, "Nah, I'm fine." Uh, he goes. He proposes, and he's rejected because she says, "You know, you're you're old enough to be my grandfather. Like, I don't." You don't have what I'm looking for uh, in a, in a, in a man to marry, which makes him very sad. But you know, he kind of gets back in his car and he says he's going to do whatever it takes to make Linda happy so that she'll want him. And then he goes to see a plastic surgeon, and he's sitting in the like the waiting room with these two women, and they're like, "Oh, you can take five, ten years off your appearance." And he's like, "That's not like I'm I'm looking to go big with what I want to do. Go big or go home." Go big or go home. We're doing it for Linda, man. We got we got to really make a big impression. 
So he goes to see the surgeon and he's kind of saying like, you know, what we could do, you know, we could do a little talk here. We could do an injection here. I do want to point out that this surgeon was giving me major Paul Giamatti vibes. Okay. You were doing a little early casting the crypt here that you you could see. (laughs) A uh, little bit. Yeah. That's no, totally. I could, I could see that. Um, the, The actor is J. Patrick McNamara. He's great because he, We'll get into it, but like he starts off, he's like being very professional. He's like saying, like, here are the options that we can give for you. And he's like, and I think, you know, if we do all these things, we can take about 20 years off. And he's like, and Carlton says, I want to look like I'm 30. And the surgeon freaks out, like, what are you even talking about? That's impossible. You're crazy. And then Carlton says, I've heard about someone who can give you like a fully brand new face. Surgeon's like, that's nonsense. There's nothing like that. And he presses it and he's like, no, I, I've heard this is true. And the surgeon acts like he's part of like a conspiracy, the murder of the president all of a sudden. Like he gets very serious and very dire. He's like, hey, I know someone who can do this, but that referral is going to cost you some money. And it's like, okay, why is this like all of a sudden, like I, where it goes, but, like his tone like shifts on a dime. Yes, it like, literally gets like an octave deeper. Right. He's, he's just like talking like, like this. This is what we can do. Uh, or you can do this. And or you, are you? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you, are you are you in for the real shit? Like, <laughs> it's really a, a weird turn. I thought um, it was really funny though because uh when um Craig no uh Carlton. Carlton. <laughs> the the name of rich people, Carlton. <laughs> yes. Um when he's like, you don't understand, doctor. Like, this is, I, I want you to do something. And I was like, oh my God, is he going to say I want you to take my face off? Is he going to have face off? For, for any fans out there of the of the movie Face Off, this is like Body Off. It could be another name of this movie. Yes, I was so excited. I was like, is this yeah. a face off? Yeah, it's, it's a total face off. I, I uh, do so- want to point out that it took me uh, until being an adult to realize that Face off. The title of the it's movie is a pun. It's a pun because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, a, it's a. They're taking their face off, but it's but also, they're also a facing face off. off. Yeah, they're, they're, it's a double entendre. Yes, it means both. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yes, yeah. The '90s had a really great stretch of like just like banger movies like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, agreed. Face <laughs> off is great. <laughs> You're not going to find any argument from me of arguing that Face Off. I mean, it's a weird movie. Uh, extremely horny for no reason. <laughs> uh, but there's a great line here. But there's a great line here Carlton has here where, like, as they're, you know, he's saying it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to get this new face you want, sir. And he's like, life is cheap, but youth, youth is very, very precious. Um, so he drives off again. There's a lot of driving in this episode. He gets driven around in his Rolls Royce a bunch. Um, and then he goes to a not at all conspicuous, not at all mad doctor's home, uh, which he walks up, knocks on the door. Doesn't look like he's entering into the opening of uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I want to point out the first thing we see when we, uh, have the establishing shot of this, of this mansion 
is this totally normal mansion yes. a real normal one yes it's like right through the window as the lightning hits we see like this face of this like mad scientist with the big glasses and it's just like whoa okay that's what's yeah, happening I don't, I don't know what you're talking about sassy that looks like a totally professional <laughs> you know surgeon to me um, it's not weird at all that he has someone entering the door who's literally a hunchback orderly. And like, we never see not... him again. <laughs> nope, that character never comes back. <laughs> Just have one little moment of, like, he's got a stooge that we never see again. Uh, so, he meets this doctor, who we never learn the name of. He, he In the credits, he's just referred to as the doctor. Um, so maybe maybe it's the doctor of Doctor Who fame, um, just having a maybe. real bender of one. Um, it could be he because says, he can regenerate, he can travel forward, backwards yep. in time. It could very well be the doctor. Yeah, he he has a science available to him that we don't understand. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very, very well could be the doctor. Um, very, very off-brand day for him, if that were the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, he says, yeah, I can, I can give you a new face, but it's going to cost you some. It's going to cost you $1 million, uh, which Carlton's like, that's a... I'm I'm rich, but that's still a lot of money. Um, but this extremely greasy doctor is forceful that um, he's the, the doctor's like he's like I don't you know a million dollars for a thing that I'm not even sure is a, is the real deal. And the doctor gets very indignant. He's like I am a genius. I've done this before in these European countries. I'm a big deal. America's just not ready for my genius yet, and that he's just ahead of his time. My girlfriend um, went to another school, okay? You wouldn't know. Right. Yes. I, I'm a big deal in Europe. Uh, don't give me any guff. And then he admits that the actual cost of the procedure is only $100,000, but the rest is the cover of the fee of the donor, um, Hans. And then he summons Hans, and while he's summoning Hans, we pan over, it's like, oh, you have a bunch of faces in water. Like just on your wall, <laughs> like they're having this whole conversation, and I think just off, off to the side, he just has like these faces just hanging out, and you know, again, not mentioned again, just has this display yeah. of his faces. Um, and Hans comes in, and he's you know he's not Arnold thick, but he he's a big boy. Um, you know he's got he's got a a good physique. He's not an absolute unit, but he is a unit. Yeah, no, he 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 he's at least a three quarters unit. <laughs> I think I think you 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 could safely say. Um, and Hans is showing off his physique. He's bragging about his hair. Um, and the doctor, you know, and and Carlton's like, I don't. Am I going to get this lunkhead's brain? And to which the doctor says, No, no, no. You you keep your brain. I just change your skull and your face, but you keep your brain. Um, but hey, just so you know, Hans has got a pretty great brain. And also the vocal looks... cords. Yes, also yeah, you get to keep your vocal cords, which is Just like in uh, face off. Just like in face off, yeah. They have they he didn't go through the full procedure of getting the uh voice box modulator. And one um, thing that I find curious is that as you said, there is a sort of aquarium full of heads. Right, like, why not any of those faces? Yes, why not any of those? It has to be apparently a live person. And so it really begs the question of, like, okay, well, if you need, like, the donor to kind of be alive, then what's the deal with all the heads in, in this, like, big water right. tank? And why 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 you have your face aquarium? Yeah. Is that just for decor? 
why not any yeah it, it's it's just an odd type of thing yep. yeah this guy's a real mood this guy's projecting could they possibly been failed attempts or yeah like there could be failed attempts there could be you know somebody who decided not to get the other person's face i don't know who 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 can say why he has a fish tank full of faces certainly not me um but they go ahead with the surgery i i like that they like established they have established a shot to like let you know that carlton's butler uh fulton is still there like he's just sitting in the car the whole time the surgery is going on so he's just weighing his car uh there's a thunderclap and then you know, Carlton gets the, gets the new face and he's like looking at him and he's like, oh, it's not exactly what I was expecting, but it is successful. Um, and they do a and... great job of not showing you what he looks like here. Yes. This is sort of the thing you were talking about, like the Arnold, like holding back his like hand here of like, it's very much, it reminds me of in um, Burton's Batman, like when the Joker's face is first revealed, like we don't get to see it for a while. So it builds up this anticipation of like, what is what does he look like? Like, what is going on with this face transplant thing? Um, because we'll get into it, but like the first time you see his face, it looks weird. Like it doesn't, like it doesn't quite look like what Hans looked like, but it, it's just very strange. And it, but it might just be the sounds coming out of his mouth that's that's creating that effect when you first see it. Um, but the doctor also mentions that he'll be keeping Hans around just in case they need him again, which Carlton's like, whatever, I got my youthful face. Um, but when he leaves, Fulton has a big reaction to this. He's like, oh, your face. It's like, you know, again, totally normal one. Uh, so eventually we see his face. And it, I, I did this, did the reveal of his face strike you as strange, Sessie? Not really. Oh really? There's maybe it's just maybe it's just like it took me a while to get used to the cognitive dissonance of seeing the other person's face and then Carlton's uh, voice coming out of it. Which that was the other question I want to ask you. How do you think the dubbing on this works? Do you, do you think it like because it's clearly like later on when they're just like fully body swapped? Spoilers. I just I, assumed I, it was ADR. Right, I'm sure that's what it is. I'm sure it's just one of those things where he's just flopping his gums. And they then did they just, a like, really great job, though. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, it, 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 it's fine. It's just so disconcerting because the, um, the disconnect between the body and the voice. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of like his his other body. And just to kind of explain uh, it, essentially, they, uh, the guy Carlton has, uh, Hans's face, but you can still hear Carlton's voice. Right, because it's, they only changed um, the exterior; they didn't actually, like you know, change. Right, so it's what the it's w- internals. William Hickey's voice coming out of Rick Rosevich's body. Yes, and and this in this scene, so he goes to Linda and he's like, "Hey, look, I've got a the face of a thirty year old," and she is this definitely is what, like, "Ew." Yeah, well, she's she's almost like this is so much worse because <laughs> now you have the face of a young person, but the body of an not old like man. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> yeah, like so. Yeah, so she basically like tells him like, "How could you think this was what I wanted? Like, how? Like, in what world would you think that this is the big deal?" So. Carlton goes back to the drawing board. He's feeling rejected. He goes back to the doctor and he's and like, listen. I forgot to mention, though, that in this in this scene with his weird 
with the the head attached to like the old person's body, he's kind of giving me some Max Headroom type of feels. Yes, th- that's what that's what I'm saying. Is like once he gets the rest of his body, it's fine. But his head, it like it's like looks blocky. Like his mouth, his mouth is moving weirdly. Like it's like his mouth doesn't quite open all the way in this scene. And I think it's because Schwarzenegger is keeping a really tight shot from his shoulders up, and so it just feels stiff. And I think yeah. that might be what's going on there. That just feels really stiff because you because they, they just don't have the technology to like have like just like to like yeah. like now you would just super implant his body onto deep fakes were not a thing back then. Right, exactly. Yeah, they don't have the deep fake technology to put um, Hans's face on Carlton's body. Um, so he's like, oh shucks, clear. I I've, I've done goofed by just getting the face. So um, his butler once again says, listen, you don't like you're spending a lot of money on this girl. uh, And you don't even know if like you getting this body is going to make her love like you're you're banking on if you have this other body that she'll like you more. But he's he's not having any of it. Uh, He goes back to the doctor. The doctor says, I can give you a new upper body, um, but this time it's going to cost him two million dollars. Carlton's like, oh, that's that's a lot of money. But like when I think when you think about it, like if someone's giving you a whole new body, two million dollars does not actually sound like all that much money to get an entirely new like waist up. Yeah. Two million dollars like seems like a steal, but you know, this is speaking from somebody who will never see two million dollars in his life, so who knows? Uh so I, it's just a very strange like conversation where he's like two million dollars, and then it also begs the question like, how much money does Carlton actually have? Yeah, because he seems extremely rich, but apparently uh, he's really hurting once you get to three million dollars uh, out of his pocketbook. Which again, I I get that part, but he he seems to have been more opulently wealthy than. And that, to be fair, not. he's probably retired, so it's not like he's. You know, sure. actively pulling in income. Right. So they might maybe just be like that's pulling, why. Pulling out of his retirement at this point. Yeah. Um, so Curran complains, uh, which the doctor says next. <laughs> Curran's complaining to which the doctor says next time, maybe you'll uh, know better not to grow old, which, you know. Oof. Great, ouch. Great line. Yeah. Uh, so more mad scientist surgery footage. We get to see bloody saws. So, you know, uh, things are real uh, hacky right now. Ha, hockey. Um, there you go. Get it? Because uh, hacks. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, 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 the, that's the that's joke. The joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Arnold's back. Um, so, uh, Carlton uh, and his new. So, we. Uh, <laughs> so, from now. So, now Carlton's got from the waist up, he's Hans. And, like, at this point, like, he looks fine. Like, his, he doesn't have his weird Max Headroom head. He's just. He's just Carlton. Or he's just Hans from the waist up. And the the show just kind of, like, shoots around his legs or has him in baggy enough pants that you're not yeah. seeing his legs. Um, which. <laughs> it's here when I realized. So, wait. You cut his head off from his body, and then you cut his legs off from his body, put the other body in between, and then connected the legs both to the body and the head. That's more work than if you just switched the heads on the two bodies. Yeah. Um, but there's a method to the madness. Um, 
so Carlton, uh, he goes down to the beach to do some beach exercises with a bunch. Of, yeah, is it a gold? Is it like an outdoors gold's gym? Is that where where he's at? Yeah, yeah, he's just outside doing some workouts, and who should stroll up but old Linda? Maybe this is maybe this is where they met. Maybe they went to the same gym, and that's why uh, he knows that he can catch her eye there. So he's just doing chin ups with his upper body, and Linda's like, "Hey." What what's up with the new body you've got? Um, and this is a, the other sort of ongoing plot thing of like no one ever seems to think it's weird when, like, at this point Carlton looks completely different. It's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, you had some work done. It's like, no, you're a different person with the voice that I know coming out of you. But this is fine. Very strange. Yeah, this is this is normal. So. uh <laughs> So they go for a walk and they're talking about how he looks like a new person and she seems pretty into him and yeah. uh, not, you know, really like qu- commenting on the fact that like he looks completely different now. Uh, and then they're like, hey, let's go for a swim. So she conveniently has some men's swimwear on her and she changes into well, her. I think she says, uh, hey, I have your swim trunks. Oh, maybe she has she has his swim trunks. Well, you know. Also a normal thing So maybe have. maybe they made plans to go to the beach and he was like, here are my swim trunks. Can you put them in my purse? Or yes. sorry, in your purse. In, yeah, in your purse. Because that is a um, thing that does happen. You're always hanging on to someone else's stuff in your purse. Sure. And you end up with like someone else's swim trunks. Not that that's I, ever happened to me, but. But you could see that happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she changes into her very Baywatch bathing suit. Um, and. As And she gets changed first and she comes out and she's like looking at him in the little changing stall and she's looking at his old man chicken legs and then like his upper body and like going back and forth, like head up, head down, head up, you know, the uh, swivel is hiding the cut. So she's like going back and forth and like real, like being like, oh, his, he's still got his weird legs. And then once she notices it, she can't not see it. Like she's just staring at his legs. And she, she they, they, this is the point where she gets some of that uh, only send deep. Yeah, she's like, action. ew, Carlton. Look at your sagging skin and the veins. And this is where she says again, I know what I want, Carlton, and you just don't have it. Um, so we cut back to the mansion. Carlton's really hurting at this point, and Fulton comes in and basically, basically says, "Hey, you know, I'm leaving. I close up the house." And I think the implication is that Fulton's quitting and I think he's going to have to sell his home because he's running out of money. And so he can't live the slavish lifestyle that he once had. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's sad. You hate to see it happen to the rich. Um, but he goes back to the doctor and he's like, listen, clearly these legs are not doing me any favors. Can you give me a, a lower body, is how he puts it. But the first thing that we see when we cut to the mad scientist is he is cutting a piece of salami. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's <laughs> very, very subtle. And this is one of those okay. things that I like. I give Arnold a lot of credit for this, for like he has a lot of visual puns throughout the episode and this is one of them because, like, mm. as soon as Carlton says something along the lines of, like, well, I'm going to have to, like, you know, replace this bottom. And then you cut to the scene. First thing you see is the scientist cutting down this piece of salami. You're like, oh, right. I know what's going to happen. Y- yeah. No, it's. 
yeah, it's 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 not subtle, but it is clever, and I feel like that's a <laughs> a a a, a hard line to walk. But uh, by God, Arnold did it. Um, it's let's pause here for a second and talk about how body obsessed this episode is, because like yeah. that sort of the whole the whole episode is basically this idea of like focusing on young men's bodies and the envy that older people have of young men's bodies. And so the fact that then it's also made by someone with the most famous body in the world yeah. is really interesting when you think about it. Like, like Arnold in a lot of ways is defined like, you know, he got famous by doing these um, weightlifting competitions and just being jacked. Like his, his body was his meal ticket to becoming a star and then had other talents beyond that. But like, that's the thing that kind of got his foot in the door, his gigantic manly foot. Um. And so I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything beyond to say that, but I just think it's interesting that this episode, which is just obsessed with men's bodies. Um, I think maybe that's why it works so well, because he understands right. the subject well, matter. And, and also that the like prime specimen is Hans, which I think is, is clearly evoking. Cause like the actor who plays Hans is American. It's Rick, Rick Rosevich. But, like, there's sort of implication that, like, he's, you know, he is of some European descent, you know, because of the doctor's vague European descent. Like, I, he's clearly sort of a stand-in for Arnold to some degree. Again, he's not as big as Arnold, but it's this idea of, like, the, you know, absolute peak performance male body and, and, the, and the lust that Carlton has for that. This episode um, brought to you by Nugenics. Yes, very much so. Um, so uh, the doctor says he can get him a lower body, but it's going to cost him a million dollars per limb. To which Carlton says, two million dollars? He says, no, no, no. Three million dollars. The dick's a limb now. Uh, he he says it more cleverly. He basically says, like, if you're talking about the bottom of your body, what is the thing you're going to most want to get? He like, says an exceptional version of you know there's two legs and then there's the one that you know you hope to to use to make your woman happy or something like that right yeah 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 because he knows why Carlton's doing all this he's like listen if you're doing this for a woman you want to get primo a grade penis uh, up in this business or else why else are you doing this you know uh, which can't fault the logic um but Carlton's like I'll go bankrupt like like th that's literally all the money i have in the world i think it's so interesting that in the scene right before he is you know shutting shutting down his house and letting right. go of his butler because he's like i'm running out of money and apparently running out of money to him means that he has three mil in the bank i right. don't know if that don't really have a whole sympathy for that yeah i don't think that constitutes going broke or you know almost being out of money so right. it, i i was thinking like well how much like how much do butlers cost like right like what's what's a butler get these days which like Man, these are... i mean pay pay your people a living wage absolutely but yeah you know three three million dollars is not gonna last you i just also you're very old i don't know how much longer you're gonna live anyway like just make it out um but he decides to get the surgery more surgery footage um at the end of which carlson's a full body cast he gets cut out and then we cut to seeing 
Hans slash Carlton's butt, more dude butt in this episode. And he just, he loves this new dick. Like, he's so stoked. He's just like, just looking out and he's like, whoa, baby, look, wait until Linda gets a load of me. There's, there's another uh, visual pun here that I really liked. Mm, what was uh, that? Where, so as soon as he, um, you see the shot and you can see Hans in the mirror, you don't see the waist down. You don't, uh, you don't you, see anything. But in the background, there's a very cleverly positioned statue of mm-hmm. like a yeah. type of... It's not David, but it kind of looks like... But yeah, a, a classical nude say, statue that, like, again, for those in the back who may have missed it, we're, he's he's looking at the pain. Yes. And he's he's, he's pretty stoked about it. Um, and I, I kind of wrote down, like, well, can't see the peen, but you can show the peen on the statue. Right. Because that's art. <laughs> yes. You know. Uh so he rushes um, over to Linda's apartment, uh, but she's gone. Like she's moved out. You, you know, it's uh, he's the got the manager's like, "Oh, you're looking at the apartment." He's like, "No, where's Linda?" He's like, "Oh, here's her address." Which I don't think they're supposed to do that, but whatever. So uh, he gets the address, and then the weirdest part of this whole episode. There's a lot of weird parts of this episode. He goes back to his Rolls Royce, and there's a bunch of muggers who are like, "Hey, man, can we get a ride?" He just beats a bunch of them up and then drives off. So that whole thing was pointless. He I don't understand. He literally like, yeets a dude. <laughs> yeah, he just like <laughs> tosses somebody like they're a lawn dart. But yeah. then like drives off. Like I don't like why why did that happen? Whatever. It's like, where did like, he get all this strength? Like, okay, I yeah. get it that we saw him earlier, like, you know, pumping iron mm-hmm. and literally doing some curls. Uh, but then all of a sudden he's just like throwing people like over his head and over a car. Right. Uh, so that, yeah. So yeah, he's just, yeah. So apparently Hans was a superhuman. Um, and so, but no. th- so he rushes off. Um, he walks past, uh, he goes, he, he gets to Linda's new apartment, which looks real fancy as a doorman. He just like rushes past and says, I'm going for Linda's apartment as if everyone in town knows who Linda is. Um, he goes up the elevator. She's living in the swank, pen- swank penthouse. What's going on? Did Linda actually have some money? And Carlton, like, he's like, hey, look at me. I've got this great body. Now you, you can marry me. To which she says, I already married someone else, which, boy, howdy, that's a quick turnaround from... The last time you saw him, you were like, no, I'm not going to marry you. You're old. And now she's married to somebody else. Uh, and at this point, I mean, if you hadn't sort of seen where this is going already, it's revealed that her husband is Hans in Carlton's body, who is flexing all the cash that he has gotten. And I guess she just Carlton. didn't think it was weird that all of a sudden Hans shows up for their date. And it's like, oh, you look just like this other guy that comes over to my house and brings me flowers. Not only does she not think that's weird, they have a butler who also doesn't think it's weird that his new boss looks exactly like his old boss. And he even <laughs> looks at Hans Yeah. Craig or why do I keep calling Carlton. him Craig? Carlton. Craig. Uh yeah, he keeps he looks over at Carlton who he has been I guess, you know, working for this entire time. Um, right. he saw him quit, from... And he just looks at him with such disdain, like, who are you? 
Right. And he saw him when he was like waist up Hans, which he doesn't look yeah. that different as waist up Hans than like with the peen Hans. Like, but they don't apparently look he's different. like, Ugh, who are you? Yeah. Who's who's this schlub? So it was like, yeah, he's been completely replaced um, in his life. The, the life that he was dreaming of having, he's been replaced um, by big brain Hans. And we end the episode. Uh, there's a great crash zoom on Carlton as he realized what's happening, uh, which is really funny. And then uh, we end on Hans in Carlton. As I put it in my notes, we end with Carl's Hans as Carlton laughing at Carlton at Hans's face. Basically like saying, like, I win because uh, I got the girl. I got the money and you can keep my dumb body. Uh, yeah. So how many um, times do you think they're going to do a switch? Like, you think they're going to switch back now? Like, because. Like, he could potentially be like, hey, you know what? I kind of want, I think I kind of want my face back. And then it's like. They sure. And like, again. it's like, I, I've got, I've got $6 million on me. Let's switch back. Yeah. yeah like, this is just going to become like, like, they're just going to become like a thruple. And, it's going to be like this, like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind thing where they keep erasing each other's, uh, each other's memories in a mm-hmm. cycle, except it's going to be with their bodies where they keep, just keep on exchanging their bodies over and over Two again. Two Two weeks in a row, Charlie Kaufman coming up on our Tales from the <laughs> podcast. Um, so uh, we cut back to the crypt. The crypt keepers embalming somebody who uh, is that supposed to be Arnold? Like I'm not entirely sure. Did he kill Arnold Schwarzenegger while the episode was going on? I wasn't entirely sure what was going on there. Um, yeah, he mysteriously, makes, he just kind of disappears. Yeah, Arnold just like fucked off and. You ever uh, seen the Crypt Keeper and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the same room other than in the... I was to say, yes, earlier in this episode. Because <laughs> maybe now they're one in the same. Yeah, maybe Yeah, maybe. Maybe if you like tell a Tales from the Crypt story, you turn into the Crypt Keeper and the body was actually the old <gasps> Crypt. Yeah, anyway. Um, and he makes uh, Hans and Franz joke. He says he's going to pump you up to the corpse because he's about to pump him up with embalming... Uh, Fluid, which is a reference to an SNL skit that was making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger, the guy who directed this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet. Uh, what a crazy episode. Yeah. Um, so, Sassy, uh, I think I, from uh, as much uh, enthusiastic gushing as you've done about this episode, I think I know. But what was your uh, final thoughts on this one? Is this a keeper one you think people should seek out or a stinker one you think is best left forgotten? I think it's absolutely a keeper. I mean, it's not just that you don't see a piece of of cinema directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger very often, but the fact that it's actually really well done. And it's just it's just a cute little enjoyable story of um well, I don't know hubris yeah. It's, no, I think. Yeah, it's it it it's a very simple story, but it it still works. Um, I I I think it's interesting too this idea of like, well, money can't buy you happiness, and to kind of think about uh one of my favorite movies, Pain and Gain, which we've talked about several times before. And I'm gonna bring it up again. There are no mm-hmm. shortcuts to the American dream. You gotta do the work. Well, and, and it's yet, interesting. In this, yeah. <laughs> he, he in this in this movie we have Carlton doing the work, quote unquote, by having all these 
body transplants. But in the mm-hmm. end, he is taking a shortcut. See? And yeah. I just think it's like it's a it's a simple idea. But mm-hmm. it still kind of goes back to this whole like you can't you can't take shortcuts in life. Yeah. Um I I uh give this I I'm gonna just roll in my, my commentary. I, I give this one the softest of keepers I can. <gasps> I like this episode fine. I think it's 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 fun. I think it the cur- It's definitely I th- not I will, scary. It's not scary. It's it's super corny. Um which is fine. Um but it is um I don't know if uh it plays into um a lot of themes. I am curious how much I would love or how much I would like this episode if I didn't know it was directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that adds a weird like um there's an allure to that that makes it more interesting that this is one of the two things he ever directed, the other one being a Christmas movie. And like this thing, like it just like is weird and goofy and funny at parts. Um but it also like I mean I think I my main issues with this is more to, it's more script issues than directing issues I think it's perfectly well directed I think there are just a handful of things like it's it it's weird that nobody like reacts to the fact that these two people switch bodies and they don't be like hey he looks exactly like you used to look like Carlton isn't that funny that like the whole all that's very strange like the fact that they never explain how Linda and Carlton met like. Well, and I then also, some... I guess Linda knew them both and didn't say a thing when she's like, oh, weird, you look just like my friend Hans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, she yeah, didn't yes. put two together. Yeah, like all all that stuff. It's just very, you, you know, it's it's a, it's one of those things where it's like clearly the person who's writing this uh, knew um, they had to get out, which, get, get in and out, which actually, that's a perfect segue because I want to say you know, it's a better version of this is Get Out, which is literally like this, like the structure of Get Out is about older people obsessed with younger person's bodies. But it has this racial element to it, too, that I think is sort of the the crux of what makes that movie special. Um, but I think that, like, as a double feature, the switch and Get Out um, is would be a fun thing to, like, see two creators getting at similar concepts. Um, yeah, that's actually a really, really interesting uh, take. I hadn't really thought about um, that idea of like both of those. Because uh, I'm just gonna gonna call this episode a movie because I feel like, as you have mentioned before, all these episodes yeah. are mini movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I hadn't put uh, those two movies together as kind of having that which, similar theme, but absolutely they do. Which I guess slight spoilers for what is happening in Get Out, but yeah, like it, it's this idea of like these people who or wanting out of their, their, their aging bodies um, and, and like are affluent enough to do it. Like in this, this one, there's slightly more sympathy for the affluent people in the, in the sense of like, but he's also, I think one of the interesting depictions in this episode that's really understated is Linda, who you could really like, like in this, this show, especially could really depict her as somebody who's like, out like because the reveal at the end is that she wasn't looking for someone who was she didn't care about how somebody looked if they could like take care of her fiscally 
And there's a way that you can communicate that that makes her just look like a gold digger. But I don't think I think they have more sympathy for her in the way that she's always like, I need someone who can like take care of me, well, take care of my money, and all that. She specifically makes a throwaway line where she says something like, "I just didn't like." She says something along the lines of like, "She grew up poor and she didn't want to be poor anymore." Right. She. She. Yeah. She didn't want to have to struggle. Yeah. And so, like, the thing that was most important to her was some level of comfort and not having to worry about money. And so if, like, when you talk about, like, hubris, like, if Carlton had just been able to admit to who he was from the beginning and not be obsessed with, like, winning her over based on, not based on his money, none of this would have happened. Don't play games with people. Right. And they may have been happy together, even if she was, like, largely into this relationship because of the security it provided her security is a perfectly valid reason to like get into a relationship with someone if if someone makes you feel safe and secure for whatever reason like there's no shame in that um so i think that there's a there's a weird there's a very sort of um subtle sympathy for her that i think really like in the hands of even some other writers on the show like i feel like the vicious gold digger has been a theme that's like kind of played out throughout this episode or without this show um and i think that this is probably the the closest to a sympathetic uh version of that that we've seen yeah so just my my two thoughts there all right um so uh before we go we gotta do our award-winning segment casting the crypt did you have any thoughts on uh what you would do with this one i thought about this and i thought it was uh, it's interesting because uh i didn't think any of the parts were particularly meaty no pun intended uh Mm -hmm. or maybe i did uh (laughs) they're not particularly meaty in in a sense that they make me think about like oh you know what this actor could really kill it in this role um Mm -hmm. so really the only person that i thought about um would be casting someone like jeremy irons as uh carlton craig carlton okay yeah i could see that (laughs) um just sort of like older stately i guess he's not so as old as like this actor was probably when this episode aired but just something about like the the actor's um like looks and mannerisms really reminded me of jeremy irons and that's kind of why i thought he has the gaunt face that Carlton has. Yes. I, I think, I think the, the, the only problem with that, I think that that's great visual casting. Um, the only problem with that is that Jeremy Irons has got that baller voice. And so I think that like, I think one of the things about Carlton is that he has that wispy little voice. So when he's speaking through Hans's uh, body, he can probably like, make a voice. You don't think Sir Jeremy Irons can make a silly voice. I mean, he is, he is a trained Shakespearean actor. I don't know what I was talking about. You're correct. <laughs> he, I'm sure he would knock it out of the park. Um, that's a great one. Um, my only one, and I think this is because I got into that get out like halfway through. I was like, this is kind of like get out, um, is, uh, Steven Root. Who's, um, the, uh, Jim Hudson. He's the art dealer in that, um, who is the one who, uh, eventually is going to be, who who is supposed to be getting the body. Mm -hmm. I think he'd be really good as the mad scientist. I think he would really do well, um, in that, that role. You know um, who just... I was kind of toying a- around with, like, a mad scientist, and maybe this is because I just saw The Boys recently, but Frenchie. 
Yeah. If you wanted yeah. to have a more modern spin on the character, sure. That, like that, that, that's kind of like really anxious, but kind of a genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, no. one thing that I forgot to mention that I I meant to talk about was when I was looking through, um. Because I was like, who is this Hans? Is he, like, what else has he been on? Um, right. Where, where have I seen this body? Because that's, <laughs> that's literally all he has in this episode is a body to look at. Yeah. And he was in Terminator. He was in the original Terminator. He was, so he is in Terminator. And, yeah, um, a bit part, the, I think. Yeah. The actor who plays. He is, he's one of the bikers in the bar that gets roughed around by uh, the Terminator, I believe. Or is that in two? I can't remember. He, he, he oh, no, no, no. He's the boyfriend. He's the, bo- yes. he's, uh, yes, Sarah he's Connor's boyfriend. roommate's mm-hmm. boyfriend who, yeah, that's his role. Um, the other, and, and in addition to that, um, J. Patrick, um, McNamara, or no, not him, sorry, um, the guy who plays the doctor. I was, I was just seeing this. Yeah. Uh, Roy Brock Smith, who plays the doctor, he has a small part in Total Recall. Yes, so, you're right. So Arnold Schwarzenegger just kind of pulling from buddies that like well, people who had like done good character work. And Kelly Preston was in Twins. Yep. So he literally yeah, so, just like went through his Rolodex and was like, "I'm gonna cast all my friends." Yeah. No, that's that's actually Which I, super cool. Which once again, I think it's, it's really nice. Yeah, it's like people that he had seen good work from and was like, "You know, yeah. you know who could do a good job as a mad scientist." And honestly, I think this is this is why I feel like this episode works. Mm-hmm. Is he got people close to him to be in the episode? Sure. And yeah. I think I think that's why the whole thing works together. He knows he knows these actors, um, and I think I think we can see that he had a a, a natural talent for directing. Um, and like I said, I think it's unfortunate that he didn't do more. Um, yeah, but I think no, I think it, that's it, why it, part of what works because I think a good director surrounds themselves with people they know and trust and that's exactly what he did here yeah i i i will agree on that front like as 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 um weirdly uneven as this episode i I find to be i think that i can't fault the the directing choices and i think he he leans into a tone that really works for um what he's um digging at here and yeah this episode is exceptionally well casted i will say that um yeah, I think this yeah. is one of those like episodes where you can tell everybody's having a blast working on this. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's clearly a fun time for everybody. Um, so yeah, um, really, and that's and and it's worth mentioning because um, it came up in my uh, Google mentions recently that like Arnold recently like tweeted about someone like this said, you know, it's crazy that the eighth episode of Tales from the Crypt was was the directorial debut of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and he tweeted like, "Hey, that was really fun," which is all I want it to be. I just want I want Arnold Schwarzenegger to have fun making this goofy little movie that he made. Yeah. Um, and that's that's all I can ask of him is to have a good time, uh, and wear cool shirts. Have you seen his pet donkey? I have. I have not seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's <gasps> pet donkey. Do I, do I need to look this up? What? Yes. I'm looking up Arnold Schwarzenegger's he, donkey. Yeah, he's like he makes a lot of like little videos of like him just around the house. Oh, with his their name pet is Lulu. <laughs> oh my goodness! Look at them. Yeah, yeah he has like is, a pony. He has a, he has a pet pony and a pet donkey. Yes, whiskey and Lulu. Just and they just hang around in his living room like it's nothing. I just Here's he lives bit- this like charmed life. 
Here's a picture of him playing chess with his donkey. <laughs> this is very sweet. Yeah, it is. Uh, what a what a quaint grandpa. <laughs> and on that note, on that positive, yeah. great note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we can top that. We can't top Arnold Schwarzenegger playing chess with his donkey. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, um, if you enjoy this, you know, get the word out review subscribe uh let people know that we're doing this out here um if you want to see more you can find us on twitter at crypt speakers you can also find me on twitter at jay the cake thief and you can find me online at sussy.dev we also have a website i'm gonna finally start mentioning this we have a website cryptspeakers.com uh we also have an email cryptspeakers at gmail.com if you want to send any questions if you want to send any comments but if you're out there listening alan i know you are uh, if you want to send any questions or comments, that's where you spend it. Cryptspeakers at gmail.com spells like it is on the 10. Uh, thank you again to Molly Fancher for our intro and outro music, Mr. N. Uh, they're making great psychobilly out in Russia. Um, and with all that, I think we're done. Um, so until next time, kitties.